beaming from Pacific Junction Hotel to Earth. Yo, welcome to my summer lair. I'm your host, Sam Yunan, and I'm super excited. I have a magician in today with me, joining me. This is always super exciting. I always dig this magic stuff. So I recently met a magician, and her business card said, children's entertainer, stage magician, professional escapologist. So tell me, what is your business card? So first of all, I have to say it's so funny the way that you said you're like, I'm here with a real life magician. It's like you're here with a wizard. You know, the way you say it, I love it. I love it. You're like, I'm here with a real life magician. You are a wizard. I am a wizard. But the way you say it, it, it brings me <laughs> joy. It fills my ego in ways that I need always more and more and more. So I like that. Um, I believe in magic. I don't believe in illusion. I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Jonah Babbins. What kind of magic do I do or what is on my business card? It just says magician. I do close up. I do a lot of close up magic. So mm -hmm. That's the kind of stuff that happens like in your hands, in my hands, uh, happens right in front of your face. Like I don't want people to say that it was camera tricks. I don't want people to, you know, I don't do a lot of that stuff. And I do now a lot more what's called parlor magic. So it's kind of like stage magic, but in and around 50 people plus or minus. So I um, think no boxes, no, no one being cut in half, nothing like that. Still incredibly visual stuff, things that are happening. You know, imagine like you've been to the magic castle, you mm -hmm. know, like that kind of stuff is parlor magic. So I guess yeah. I do parlor magic, close up magic, and I have a particular interest in card magic. That's kind of my, uh, my area of passion. Including in your area of passion, you host a podcast. This is always kind of interesting, talking to somebody who does a podcast. I do. I host a podcast. It's called Discourse in Magic. Mm -hmm. And it is – we interview magicians, basically. And we talk about all of the different aspects of magic. I'll go back a step. So in ma there's a large – world of magic behind the scenes where how how magicians teach each other and how they sell each other their their things and even as you would imagine a magician would spend many years working on a trick and then they sell the trick whether they're selling it in physical format or a book or whatever and the magic industry is full of people selling their tricks but no one teaching how to do tricks well right mm -hmm. and no one teaching how to sell yourself in business i say no one th there are people but it's a very small percentage so the podcast focus on everything to do about magic aside from how the tricks work you want to make magicians better basically i want to make magicians better in all of the places aside from go learn tricks from the best in the world but no one not enough people are really helping with all the things that it's like okay now you know how to do that trick, but why do you still suck, <laughs> right? Why are you still annoying, right? Like why are – one of the biggest problems with magic uh, that I always talk about is, you know, it's really easy to do a, do a trick. I can teach you a trick today. You'll be able to do it before you, before we leave this room. Well, but Look out, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the biggest challenge with magic is to do a trick and have people not hate you mm -hmm. or dislike you, right? Like you're inherently fooling them, right? So you have to somehow make it – enjoyable and you have and that's the big challenge is to present magic in a way where it's like we together are going to experience something impossible or whatever way that it's framed where it doesn't feel like i'm gonna trick you i'm smarter than you are mm -hmm. you suck i'm great so the podcast is sort of based around helping people be better magicians you said it exactly right in terms of that like how did you get started then? Like, how did you know that this was something you want to do? You've been doing this for quite a number of years now. Yeah, You're a I've veteran. Doing, yeah, I've been doing magic since I was like four or five. So I was told my uncle did certain tricks for me that I watched and I loved uh, and that I was obsessed. But I, it was too young for me to remember. So, mm -hmm. so I was told that's what got me started in it. But I've done loads of magic all my life. And then basically, you know... 
goes in waves like any kids with any hobbies. You play guitar, you stop playing guitar, you play guitar. And then one summer I was, a, I was up at a summer camp and uh, I met a magician. Or I was told that the magician that worked in the tuck shop which is the place in the camp that gives the candy to the kids. That's the good place. That's the good place, right? Yeah. Uh, that that guy was a magician. I had to meet him. So one Saturday, and Saturdays at the camp, they don't plan a lot. Uh, so one Saturday I went and we met up, and his name was Ben Train. And he started showing me magic. And first I showed him some tricks. He, like, loved it. Um, or he was very kind, rather. I was a <laughs> shitty 13-year-old, 12-year-old magician. You didn't have your podcast. Uh, right. You. He didn't know. He didn't know how amazing I was. Um, so I did some stuff. Uh, but then he showed me some magic, and he blew my mind. And everything I learned about magic, all the videos that I watched, all the DVDs, it nothing made any sense. I was like, I have no idea how this worked. And that was like, you know, you said, like, you've been in magic for a long time. Like, I always refer to that as, like, the thing that kept me into magic, like the thing that got me into magic was my uncle. But so many kids get into magic, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone gets into magic and then they grow up, yeah. <laughs> right? And they get out of magic. There's that, like those little junior magic kits, like like a, like a chemistry set or something. Right. You ask yourself, like, why are there so many junior magic kits being sold, but not that many magicians, right? Like <laughs> somewhere along the way, yes. they're being lost, right? <laughs> like, so everyone had a junior magic set as a kid, but not everyone does magic. So um, that was like a moment that sort of kept me into magic and awakened my eyes to like, holy crap, there's, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on here. And, uh, and then, yeah, I kept doing it when I was in university in the summers. I went on tour to summer camps and I perform and teach magic for kids. And I, this is, I think, my seventh summer doing that mm -hmm. right now. And I tour camps around Ontario, Quebec, and perform and teach magic. And it's like, uh, I don't know. I, I went to school for math. I never thought I would do magic as a career. Never, ever, ever. But as I slowly did more math, my summers got booked more and more. And when I was graduating, like there were so many people knocking at my door to do card tricks, but nobody cared about <laughs> my undergraduate in math. So yeah. I said, you know what? I think for now I'm going to go do card tricks. And this is kind of then feeding a little bit into what you're saying with the podcast, because we just touched upon it, which is that you, you remember being in that position where like you had all these like cool tricks and ideas that you wanted to do, but you didn't really know what to do with it. You didn't know how to perform it. Like, you know what? I, I don't even know what, what, yes, yes, I was in that position. And, and what you're saying is right in the sense of like, I'm trying to help that, that version of me who was like, you know, wh whatever those problems were, but I don't you're know. You're the tuck those... shop guy now. Yeah, exactly. I'm the tuck shop guy now, but I don't really know what those problems were. You know, mm -hmm. that I, I think I just sucked. Like, I don't, <laughs> you know, I think I just lacked the direction. So I guess that is what I'm doing now. I'm trying to be like the guy who says like, no, do it this way. Or, you know, and I really try my best to, to, if anybody listens to the podcast, I, I don't like, I, I rarely speak about things negatively. I, I do my best to do like positive. Like if, even if someone's disagreeing with me, I'm like, I just want to understand your point and I'll just put it out into the ether. And like, I'm not <laughs> even going to disagree with you just yeah. because like, it's more of now have become a catalog of a lot of opinions of magicians and, and of my growth over the last like three years of having it. So I wouldn't call myself this like wise elder, you know, of ma magic. Like uh, I know a, not a lot. I learn a lot. I'm obsessed, you know, obsessed. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to like, there's certain things that I'm trying to get to the bottom of and understand and and, uh, but I'm no grand wizard. I'm no like, uh, <laughs> well, I guess I, well, I'm a wizard, but maybe yeah. not a grand, okay. maybe not a grand wizard. That works for me. Um, or maybe I just don't think of myself that way, but, yeah. but, but you have also too, what's what I find interesting is you had a recent episode where you said you're going to be deleting some of the older episodes. I did. 
Yeah. Yeah. Right? What What's the process for that? Like, you want to kind of then refine things, or what? How do you? You know, I, it's funny. I never thought someone would. I, I I I when I when we deleted them, I I was talking to my team, and I was like, which is consists of one person, Jackie Swan. <laughs> she's she's my editor producer. She's great. Um, but I was like, do you think people are gonna care? Do you think? And she's like, you know what? I don't think anyone's gonna notice. And here I am four days later on a podcast being broadcast <laughs> to thousands, having to explain my decision. Yeah. Um, what did you do? No, so so maybe I'll give some background. So the podcast actually started with me and a partner, Tyler, Tyler Williams, who is uh, a great magician and uh, just – uh, just a, a really smart guy and he, he's gonna do really awesome things he's, he's a creator he does video editing and grab he's just like he's really talented and you know we started the podcast together back when he was very interested in magic and as the podcast went on he sort of let, lost touch in magic and you know part of the podcast the early days of it was us Tyler and I taking on like projects to help us both succeed in magic and he would not succeed at those projects. So, you know, at the time my head was saying like, you know, this is good. We're doing experiments and mm -hmm. sometimes experiments fail. And this is good. Like people should see what it's like to have experiments failing. But as the story goes on, he loses interest in magic <laughs> and doesn't want to do this anymore. So I listened back to these old episodes and it's like him and I and me, me too, talking about things that we have no idea what we're doing. Mm -hmm. We're talking about things we don't know what we're talking about yet. We're just hemming and hawing about topics to fill the air of a podcast that we have to talk about magic where, you know, we just have no fucking idea what we're saying. So I went back and I listened to them. And unfortunately, there is some goodness to them, to those old episodes, which is that, you know, it captures our growth through the, the podcast. But I see the downloads and I can click and order them by least listened to episodes. And I know that those are the least listened to. And I think about like when somebody finds this podcast and they go, I'm going to start at the beginning. They listen to episode one. It's, it's, it's a little welcome episode. Number two, interview. Three, interview. Four, interview. Five, these two morons blab about nothing. Six, <laughs> interview. Seven, interview. Eight, interview. Nine, morons blabbing about nothing. And then how many of those are they going to do until they're like, I'm not going to fucking listen to these episodes. Let me just listen to the interviews, right? Mm -hmm. Which is what the number's telling me that they were doing. So I didn't delete all of the episodes with him and I. I might. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I deleted the ones that I felt that if someone was listening to this sequentially or if they were – if they humored to listen to it sequentially. I never imagine ever, someone's listening to every episode of the podcast. I just, I just – crazy there's so much so yeah. i just don't like a, you know there's like 260 like it's it's a lot mm -hmm. I, there's not 260 there's 160 right yeah, yeah. My, my brain hurts i don't okay. know it's there's 160 episodes it feels like you sure you graduated yeah. from math i don't know i okay. can't even <laughs> add numbers we did letters a lot there but anyways um uh just i just you know i removed those because i think that i want every episode to be um magical <laughs> i want every episode to be uh uh, what's the word? I want to say like a classic, right? Mm -hmm. I want it to be timeless, right? I, I don't want an episode to expire and I, and I don't want episodes to be like, yeah, if you listen to it again, don't listen to these because they were just morons. They didn't know what they were talking about. So mm -hmm. I deleted a bunch. I might delete more, uh, but I think I left the ones that, that which don't have guests that do more good than harm for a new coming listener. Mm -hmm. But it was a challenge and I also eliminated 
uh, the numbers from all the episodes. So now no one knows how many there are, which is, contributes to why I don't know. How many you've done. Yeah, exactly. That's why I'm so... Uh, yeah, makes sense. So that's the podcast Discourse in Magic. Do you have the same sort of standards now when you are doing a show and you're performing for people? Like, do you know now better to, to look for what doesn't work? Maybe a joke doesn't land? It goes in and out. You know, sometimes I feel like I'm the luckiest person in the world and I get to be coached by magicians who you would have to pay thousands of dollars an hour to coach. And I get to be coached by them because I ask them whatever questions I want on my podcast and I'm there <laughs> and it's, I'm being, being coached. Yeah. So sometimes I think that. Also, sometimes I think that like, uh, I have a curse of over information and over analysis. And every week I'm talking to another person telling me a different point of view on my same questions. And like, you know, it's, it's just impossible for me to, uh, advance when every week I'm being told something different and being like, so both, you know, both is happening. I have a little bit of like analysis paralysis when I'm like, what could I do at being, you know, like I'm being pulled from all these directions, but I feel like I'm better. I feel like I've read a thousand books, right? Mm -hmm. Like I feel like I know more and I feel like, um, you know, I like, I was talking about earlier my background being in math. And one of the things that I think is super cool and common between math and magic is like, and it's true in other fields as well, but at any point in time, you could be called upon to use any of the knowledge that you learned at any moment up until this point. You know what I mean? Yeah. So to me, I feel like there is no limit to the amount of magic that I want to learn and the amount of different opinions and ideas that I want to bat against each other. It's like studying a philosophy, you know, like I try to make things more practical and literal. So we're not just blabbing about like, how ethical is it for a mentalist to tell you that he's reading when he's not reading? I try to get out of that stuff a little bit, but I get drained into it all the time because that's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in the, 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 the nitty gritty of what we do and like better understanding exactly what magic is and what the theater of magic is. You're talking about craft. Yeah. I'm talking about craft. And cause when we were coming in, we were talking about a couple of magic shows that we had seen recently and I was joking and whatever. And like the audience is still a large part of the audience. Mainstream audience is still kind of conditioned by the David Copperfield, all the specials from the eighties and the nineties. You know what I mean? There's a lot, there's a lot of magic stereotypes that we're all trying to break. Right. And that's a, that's a big thing in magic is we're trying to go out there and break them. And right now, like in the last five year window, they've been broken repeatedly with shows like Penn and Teller fool us and America's got talent and some public touring shows like the illusionist and mm -hmm. in New York, Derek Delgadio's show in and of itself. Did you see it? Mm -hmm. like, yeah. You're nodding along and you yeah. like, so some of these, some of these shows have really refaced Dan White's show, you know, at the nomad, like the Chicago magic lounge opening, like so much of this has re has is just starting to reshape what people say and think when they're talking about magic. And when just seven years ago or eight years ago, whatever the one pop culture thing was, was the thing that people would say to me. They would say for the course of five years, blah, 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 David Blaine, blah, 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 David Blaine. Then it was blah, 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 Chris Angel. Then it was blah, 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 the movie's prestige and illusionist, oh, <laughs> right? Yes, yeah. And right. And then, and then for a little bit, and now there's some people say Penn and Teller. Some people talk about America's Got Talent. Some people talk about Shin Lim. Some people talk about magicians. And I'm like, how in the world do you know about that guy? You're a non-magician. <laughs> yeah. Like you're a neophyte to this. Mm -hmm. So, so I'm, uh, I'm really happy about the amount of magic that's in the world. But with that, it means we're starting to break the stereotypes and we can allow ourselves to like 
be more creative, do things differently, do things that have never been done before instead of, you know, everyone just doing the same thing. Like I like the milk cans or something. I, I don't want you to be able to close your eyes and picture a magician mm-hmm. and for it to be the magic tropes that it is right now. You know, when you close your eyes and you picture like an actor, like there's no, there's no, it's anyone, <laughs> you know, like it's anyone. Like you think of a scientist, like it's anyone in a lab coat, <laughs> you know, but it's anyone like magicians. Very hard. I, I still see, I know people see bunnies. I know people the see mustache. Half. people see mustache and we're, we're getting there. We're breaking it. I, I say the last five year window has really started cracking that egg. And uh, I feel really confident that, that we're in such a crazy time in magic right mm-hmm. now where, where, um, it's just the variety is so big that people are really seeing so many versions of magic that it's like it's challenging the art in great ways. Well, one of the things that's kind of challenging for the art form, like you said, is that it kind of mirrors stand-up comedy. Like a lot of people generally don't go to stand-up comic clubs like often on a regular basis. They go have a work function or something and then they go and if they get a bad comic or a bad couple of comics, then it kind of turns them off. And sometimes, too, it happens with magic, too, where, like, if they see somebody doing tropes or just, like, really kind of cheesy stuff and it's, like, all the quarters behind your ear, it kind of turns people off from magic. There's not enough wonder and joy. Totally. I I mean, there's a few few thoughts that come to mind right there. The first is, you know, people used to say, magicians used to say, like, on average, an audience member has seen 1.5 magic shows in their life. That was an I don't know if it was a study. I don't know if a but maybe for all of my life. It's a generalization that seems kind of accurate, doesn't it? It feels right. It feels right. And I'm going to say that in the last five years, it's now wrong. Like maybe I'm like, you know, averages move slowly, but Mm -hmm. maybe maybe I'm wrong about that. But I don't think it's true anymore. I think people are seeing magic shows and I think if they aren't seeing magic shows, they're seeing so much magic online in their newsfeed mm-hmm. or on America's Got Talent or Fool Us or all these different places through their screen, Rick Lax doing mm-hmm. these tricks, sitting in the coffee shop, like a, a Julius Dean on Instagram. You know, I'm name dropping all these people because I know that someone listening is going to be like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Like all this <laughs> magic that people are seeing and it's unheard of, right? What's going on. And the other thing about that, which is so interesting to me is magicians are bitching about exposure, right? Like if you want to learn how magic trick works or if you want to start learning magic, you can Google it and you can start learning some tricks on YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. And magicians are all pissed about that. Like, oh no, these non magic they're knowing our secrets. Like, like it was that much harder to walk into a magic shop. Like it's the same difficulty. It's yeah. just the internet. <laughs> but what's super funny is none of them are talking about the problem of exposure to magic not of magic which is there are hundreds of magic tropes and themes Mm -hmm. and tricks you change a little bit here and there but tricks you pick a card i find it if something vanishes from here it appears over there you draw a thing i drew the same thing cup and balls because a cup there's a balls great so now we have a problem because now if a lay person likes pen and teller fool us and they watch all of it and they come see an average magic show, or fuck it, my show, they come see me, they're gonna say, great show, but I watched Fool Us and I've seen people do all of those things before. Mm-hmm. And that's true right now. It's true, because like we all learn magic from the same magic resources and books, and not that makes it sound bad. There's thousands and hundreds of thousands of books, but 
we're all doing different versions of the cup and the ball, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and who cares that I ended up with a lemon under mine and you ended up with an ice block and he ended <laughs> up with a bird. Yeah. Like that's great. And it adds to it being memorable. But, uh, you know, the big challenge now and why I say pushing magic forward is a non-magician sees a fuckload of magic before they go to their first magic show. <laughs> and then they're going to go, eh, this was good. But the TV, the one on, uh, on America's Got Talent was better. Mm -hmm. It's like, damn, you know, the live experience is supposed to be better. So now the big challenge is on people like Derek Delgadio's show where it's like, how do you make an experience that is nothing like an experience that you can see on TV, right? And that's what we're trying to do with the Toronto Magic Company is we're trying to make experiences that are the, the way that we describe it is more than a show. It's more than a show. Nothing, nothing that you're coming to see at a Toronto Magic Company event is more than a show. Our newest trick in the book show is the only magic open mic night in Canada, right? So you go and you're, you're a part of this thing, which is like being a part of the underground New York comedy scene, mm -hmm. right? Like you're a part of something. That's where the, the performing magic community in Toronto hangs out. Like it's... It, you know, we're trying to, and I'll tell you, we'll talk a little bit more about the other shows as well, but like part of what we're trying to do is to make things that's more than just a show for that reason, because it's really hard now to challenge the amount of magic that a non-magician may see, not does see, but may see. Well, and for the audience too, the interesting thing is that like wonder and joy are not based on like ignorance or education or anything like that. Like you can be like an 80 year old PhD person and be amazed by a trick and you could be five years old and like not even in kindergarten and just be amazed totally right? I, I think i think smarter people are fooled worse and i love performing for smart people mm -hmm. way better way better because they their analysis about tricks of course is like oh he's like got magnets and he's using the levies and so here's here's what happens <laughs> so when you're experiencing a trick you your brain, and I love this so much, your brain, when the punchline of the trick happens, the ground falls out from under you, right? So let's say a magician is holding a coin in his hand, and he closes his hand, opens it, and the coin is gone. The ground now falls out from under you, so you're like, where did the coin go? And now your brain is what I might argue the most creative it'll ever be in its entire life. Because right now your brain is going... Maybe he dropped it. No, he didn't drop it. Maybe the mag maybe it was a coin. Maybe it was a magnet. Did he have a magnet? No, he didn't. Maybe it was made of sugar and it disintegrated. Nah, he didn't do that. Maybe he was. <laughs> maybe when he turned his hand, it was on a string. There was. Nah, he didn't do that. Maybe ah ah. How did he right? And your brain just came up with like seven <laughs> ideas in a minute. Now they're all whack, yeah. right? But you know that's how like good creativity works, right? Is you like throw a million ideas at the wall and then one comes out. And like to me, that's the most amazing moment for. For people that's why I do magic is that moment of just like you know your your eyes are open to the to how you're like ah, you know you're trying to you're trying to make sense of the reality that you're seeing right in front of you and like that's why I do it and I think people that are smarter or more intellectual or work in an analytic field uh, they don't they don't expect that stuff to happen. They don't seek out experiences that baffle them. They they feel rightly so that they break down problems and handle them correctly because I'm sure they do, right? Like I'm sure when they go through life and their friends are worried about things that they're not worried about because they're more organized and they have their <laughs> shit together and they, uh, you know, they they do work in their job that allows them to think a few 
weeks ahead and you know mm-hmm. that they're a, they're a, they're well rounded so they don't they don't think about the ground falling out from under them and when it happens it's all the all the stronger when we were in school there was people that were clearly like book smart and getting a's and stuff like that but then the flip side of that was they weren't street smart so they if you left them somewhere <laughs> in some shadier parts of new york city spanish harlem or something they <laughs> wouldn't be able to survive i don't think they're mutually exclusive but they're definitely two different two different like i don't think if you're book smart you're not street smart mm-hmm. but i think they're definitely two totally different uh, skills and some have one, some have both, some have none. Yeah. Right. Some are just idiots who are lost and, and <laughs> for them, there's no hope. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like as we've talked about your journey, you're very obviously com- confident and you're like working with kids. You're doing all kinds of like magic like this. How do you balance as a magician? How do you balance the, the confidence of doing the trick and knowing that you can pull the trick off with also the vulnerability and the openness that a trick requires? Yeah, it's, it's which I guess tr- is the point of your podcast. It's Yeah. It's a challenge. And, you know, one of the big challenges is deciding to be vulnerable. You know, a lot of my magic, I I don't want to say hide behind the comedy, but I choose to go comedic because I don't have to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Right. And but more more than that, I never learned how to be vulnerable on stage in performance. Like, that's just not something I've ever learned it, I don't even know. Right now, I'm just starting to do it, right? The only reason it's top of mind is because, like, for the first time, I'm telling a trick that's, like, about an actual thing that actually happened to me that's, like, an experience. And, like, I don't even know how I feel about it. Like, it's super weird to me. I'm, like, a funny guy. I'd rather tell you that, like, you know, you have 11 fingers and Mm -hmm. prove it. And that being a, like, <laughs> what? How could this be? Then be like, you know, these aces remind me of my grandfather. Like, yeah. fuck, who cares? Like, yeah. and also, who cares about my grandfather? It's just like, who cares, right? So, so I'm just starting to choose to be vulnerable. Obviously, many of the magicians I interview choose to be vulnerable. Uh, one of the reasons I'm doing it is because, like, I'm lacking some of the fulfillment that comes out of being purely comedic, right? So I'm like, how do I really express to audiences what I want to express the way I would do in interviews in my podcast in you know i do a type of show which is a close-up show where it's 20 people only and i allow people to ask questions anything they want about magic or me or anything the only thing you can't ask is how did you do that so i won't explain how tricks work but i'll answer any other question Mm -hmm. and what that does for me is it allows the vulnerability to be built into the show and i just perform when people have questions i answer them the way that i'm answering your questions right now and that's what allows me to be be vulnerable but when i like plan like i'm like the audience doesn't give a fuck about how i got started and mad at my grandfather who cares right (laughs) so I'm choosing to be vulnerable now. I, I'm I'm still uncomfortable with it. I don't even know if it's something I want to do. You know, like I don't even know what I want to tell them. I'm just starting to play with that stuff now. But yeah, I mean, is that does that answer your question? I'm not really. Yeah, like, no. I mean, it's your show. I mean, but it's it, your show. It's well, it's true. Too. <laughs> but I mean, like, because there's a there's a weird tension with magic where, like you said, like these aces remind me of my grandfather, or whatever. But then at the same time, the audience also expects perfection from you that you are able to execute the trick. You can find my card in the pack or do something, right? Like, Yeah, I was... Because there's a sloppiness to vulnerability, right? Like when you're on a date or something, you can express your emotions, whatever, but then the words don't come out right. Or you know, it's like, like, it's like when you're on a date and you want to look like you 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 look good, but you didn't try hard. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like that's what it is, yeah. right? So I, I was actually just reading about it. You know, there was... 
you know those two movies, The Illusionist and The Prestige, right? Mm -hmm. They came out within like 60 days of each other. Yeah. And one of the things that I forget who the commentator was. This was from a Jamie Ian Swiss book, but I forget who the commentator was because he was talking about another uh, commentator. But they were saying like it's really hard to write the conflict of a magician because the character of a magician is one who always knows and is one step ahead mm -hmm. and can never be tricked. So how do you write conflict for a person that always wins, right? So one of the things that the prestige, if I remember, but maybe the other one, I always get them confused. Christian uh, Bale is prestige. Yeah. Ed Norton is illusion. But what I think prestige, one of the ones they did is they pinned magicians against each other, right? Mm -hmm. Which is like, okay, there you go. Now you've got something, right? So what you were saying before is like, yeah, how do you be vulnerable as a magician when you're trying to be like omnipotent, yeah. right? Like, so I, I don't really know what the answer is. You know, I'm, I'm I always struggle with like, what, where do I really want the audience to land in terms of believability? Mm -hmm. Like, do I want the audience to leave the show and say like, that was like a really fun comedy show. Plus, I don't know how he found my card. <laughs> or do I want them to leave the show and be like, but it just doesn't add up. How could he possibly, right? Like, do I want to entertain them or do I want to blow the back off of their heads? Like, do I want them to think that I can read your body language or mm -hmm. do I think, do I not want them to know that, right? Like, I don't know. So yeah. that, those are the questions that I think about as a magician. Well, it ties back also to what you were saying before, which is like, there's a huge history of magic and related to that is like, you're also Jewish. Judaism has a whole subset basically of magic and spiritualism and like totally, you know, one of the most interesting crossover facts between Judaism and magic of which there are plenty, mm -hmm. but Harry Houdini was Jewish. And what's so interesting about his rise was it was right after or right in the time of the second world war. And it was a small Jewish man redeeming himself from shackles which seems to make a lot of sense why that grew popular in the time of the Holocaust and like why that. So, you know, different things like that are particularly interesting to me. I don't know what it is that why the why the Venn diagram of Jews and magic is so big in the middle. I don't know. Jews what it and is. comedy, too. Like. Yeah, I don't know what it is. You know, <laughs> something about something about like the problem solving aspect of it, like Jews love engineering and mathing and computers, too. Like, I don't know what it is, but like. I, I don't know. I don't know. The more I talk about it, the more it sounds like a moron generalizing. But like, <laughs> yeah. I, you start going, I mean, you can't be anti-Semitic because you're Jewish, right? But it's, but it starts... I just, I, the more I sound like an idiot, but like, I just, I, I think it's like young boys love problem solving. Young Jewish boys like problem solving. I don't know. Mm -hmm. That's a weird statement, but like, <laughs> like they like Lego or maybe kids do. I don't know. Stop me. Okay. I don't know what I'm saying, but, but there's a big overlap. I don't know why I see it too. I run a company with another Jewish magician. I know so many magicians that are Jews. I have no idea. Is that something, though, you're consciously tapping into the same way you tap into the traditions of magic? Are you aware of the, the Judaism and, like, you're, you know that you're kind of carrying on that lineage as well? As a magician mm -hmm. or as a Jew? Both. Is you're there a difference? If I, is there a difference between being a magician and a Jew? Well, yes. in terms of, like, um, the actual lineage of, like, magic and Judaism. Or you're saying, like, I'm passing on magic yeah. and I'm passing on being Jewish. Yeah, I mean... I don't, I, I don't really, I don't really think of them both that way. Um, you know, I think of magic as, I think of Judaism as, you know, my culture and my identity. Um, and I think of magic as, uh, you know, also overlaps in my identity, but it's something that I took up. It's something I have an obsession with and a passion with. Um, I don't, I guess I, I guess I think of them both like that, but like a lineage, I guess. But, you know, I think really, 
I, I really love to help people. I really love to help people. I really love to, to, to help someone get to what they want faster and help people do what help them better in their journey and to learn things. And if I can give someone advice, I would love to give someone advice. And I think that that's really what everything I do, I will quicker help someone do it than I would want to do it myself. I don't know why that is. It's why I produce shows and interview other people. And I don't know why it is, but like, I don't think I'm trying to like pass on anything with some like higher sense of mm -hmm. like it being in the generations. I think I just, if someone else is in the same thing as me and I can do anything to help you in your journey, I would love to. And I think that's really it. Like, But you're also serving magic in a way because then if you make other magicians better through your podcast or through putting on shows, giving them more opportunities, giving them more exposure, you're making magic in general better. Totally. I, I That's the goal. Like, is to make better magic. Like, the goal is to do, try to, you know, like I said, whatever's going on right now in the last five years or ten years of magic that's making it so hot and cool and interesting and varied and variety is putting pressures in all the right places that there needs to be podcasts about how to do magic better. And there needs to be loads of places to perform and see magic in a city like Toronto, right? So like those are pressures. I'm not saying they're being put by the popularity of magic, but like we're in a boom. So we're seeing those pressures of those things needing to be there mm -hmm. so that magic doesn't suck, right? We need, a, I'm not trying to toot my horn because I assume that I do nothing and everything <laughs> that I do is better than that. But um, we need podcasts to make people better at magic so that when people go out and see magic, they don't think, wow, shit, you suck. We need a podcast to remind someone that they should be creative and not steal someone else's tricks. Right. Like mm -hmm. that's where I feel like I'm doing the good work and passing it on or whatever is like telling, telling the thousands of magicians that are listening to be like, you can't do this because this won't help magic grow. And being like, you know, maybe that means I'm chatting to a small percentage of the world of magic. And maybe that means that if they don't hate me, that it'll go on into the, into their ears and it might affect magic, mm -hmm. the general magic. So I, I hope things do. But I also think that like I'm just one man sharing my ideas and helping whenever I can, right? Mm -hmm. So if it's a value to people, amazing. If it's not a value, no problem. And you've already touched upon the Toronto Magic Company, but what is Toronto's magic scene like for people that don't know? Don't know? I know people tend to think of like Magic Castle in L.A. or uh, New York City is kind of gotten is kind of synonymous with a lot of magic and stuff like that. What is Toronto's magic scene or magic vibe like? You know, it's it's really cool. It's really really cool, particularly right now. I'm like so excited about it. I'll do a throwback. I'll tell you a story about a time when I was not exist when I was not around. Um, and mind me getting the years totally wrong. But about twenty ish years ago, there was a place called Harper's Dinner and Magic Theater. And it was a magic theater that was here and a few magicians who are Toronto, maybe raised, but now live outside of Toronto, but are quite popular, like Matt DeZero, like the Evisons, like I think David Mary, Glenn Ottaway, like there's all these names of these like comedy magicians and magicians who got their start performing like every night at, mm -hmm. at, uh, at this bar. And uh, then it closed down. And there was not, for many years, there was not, and I'm telling a story, by the way, of a time that I was not around, but there was nowhere this for- This is pre-tuck shop. Pre-tuck shop, right. <laughs> uh, 
there was nowhere for a magician to perform, right? If you were a young magician, you were trying to perform, you had to, I don't know, maybe try to put on your own show or just be hired out or something. There was no public magic shows to even go see magic. Then James Allen came along. He's an incredible local magician. He produced a show under a variety of names, Magic Tonight, Magic and Martinis. There's a whole bunch of names right now. It's Magic and Martini, the lovely magic show. But I think at the time it was called Magic Tonight. And he had, I think, different performers on every show. I think I was going to say, I think two, one or two different magicians on every show. So a lot of magicians now who are, who are popular in Toronto got their start 10 years ago at James's show. And then eventually it just wasn't stable for James to continue doing that. And he now hosts his own show. He's changed it up a little bit and it's awesome, awesome, awesome. I just went the other week. It's like so good. But again, there was no place for magicians to uh, perform. So then in late 2016, Ben Train, the guy who was the tuck shop guy, mm -hmm. right? He went from being the guy I met at the tuck shop to a few years later, he was a magic teacher of mine. He became a mentor and then he became a friend of mine and then we became business partners, right? Like just a crazy journey. He's about 10 years older than me. And he started this show called The Newest Trick in the Book. It's the only open mic magic show in Canada. Five performers. Uh, it started off twice a month, but now it's every Tuesday. And magicians would get on stage in the same way at like New York comedy clubs where they try out new material. They test out new jokes so that when they finally get their Netflix special, everything's funny. <laughs> yes. Magicians don't have a place to do that. So that means when someone's hiring them for a big corporate gig, that's where they have to try a new joke, which sucks because yeah. that's where you're supposed to be great. Right. Mm -hmm. So basically Ben created the show for that reason. And uh, at the time, I was giving him a hand to help things out. Like I said, I just like, help here. You have something I can help with here. Let me help. Mm -hmm. uh, I learned a lot in university about ticket sales and stuff like that. I ran some some club promoting stuff. So I gave him a hand. And then eventually, after that show was around for about six months, we decided to together launch the Toronto Magic Company with the goal of bringing the best magicians in the world to Toronto and showcasing Toronto and Toronto magicians to the world. And... You know, when you were asking about the different magic scenes around, you know, our scene is based around that show, The Newest Trick in the Book. We have another show called The Art of Magic, which is our paid show. So The Newest Trick in the Book is free. Mm -hmm. It's an open mic show. It's filled every Tuesday. It's like pay what you can. It's amazing. The Art of Magic show is our feature show. It's incredible. It's at an art gallery called the Super Wonder Gallery. You were there, yeah, you were there for the carnival event, mm -hmm. right? But um, the Art super of Magic- Super Wonder Gallery is awesome. The Super Wonder Gallery is super wonder. It's like the main, <laughs> the name was meant for it, right? Mm -hmm. So it's the show is a part art gallery, part magic show. So we get to feature incredible art. We have close-up magic going on, and then everyone takes their seats, and we feature not only, so Ben and I are on the show. There's mm -hmm. also one amazing local magician, and then there's one amazing international magician. And we're basically bringing this magic from places like Las Vegas, New York. We've had magicians from Buffalo, LA, Indianapolis to Toronto. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people know Toronto as being this multicultural city. And one of the things that this Art of Magic show allows us to do is to make it like a multicultural show, basically. And, or multi-national, geographical, whatever you want to call it. 
so you get to see the magic of LA and Chicago and Buffalo and 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 everywhere in Toronto and depending on where you are in the world the magic changes greatly where you are in the world has such an impact on magic Chicago magic is a style of magic if you met a magician and he started showing you magic and you are a, a magic lover of a certain level, you would be like, are you from Chicago? <laughs> you know, you could do that, right? Mm -hmm. You could find, you could guess that someone learned magic in Spain, even if they don't have a Spanish accent by the way they're doing it, or that they learned it from a Spanish magician mm -hmm. just based on what they're doing. So we're trying to feature loads of different types and styles of magic on that show. And it's just that's sort of the story of how the whole thing came about. And things are going super great. We sold out nine Art of Magic shows in a row. We're now, instead of doing once a month, we've now bumped it up to twice a month. So they're back-to-back -back Wednesday, Thursday nights. Um, and then you came to our Carnival mm -hmm. show, the Carnival of Wonders, which was another cool thing we were doing to, uh, you know, one of the things the Art of Magic was trying to do is tap into the art communities in Toronto and we decided to use the Carnival of Wonders to tap into a lot of the performance art communities in Toronto so allowing ourselves to reach out to not only cool magicians but like jugglers and dancers and contortionists and and fire eaters and burlesque dancers and other types of acts we didn't we didn't get all of those on this show but we certainly got uh, a wide variety of acts and the guy um, who hammers the nail into his yeah uh, uh, Phoenix Fire. Mm -hmm. I've um, seen him around a couple of times. I've seen him. Yeah, he does some cool freak freak showy stuff. It's mm -hmm. pretty pretty freaky, but it was cool and it was perfect for the midnight mm -hmm. uh, the midnight part uh, of the show. Really freak freak people out. So it was a, that was a super fun night, and we're going to be doing one again uh, in two, TBA TBA. But it was very fun. So things are going well, shows are selling out, and we're really just bringing the magic to Toronto, and it's been super fun. You touched upon uh, you want to serve the magic community, you want to expand magic. Uh, you touched upon your work with the Toronto Magic uh, Company. What about the actual tricks itself? Part of being a magician is you eventually want to start developing new tricks or kind of adding to the lineage, like to go back to that word again, to the lineage of magic. So then... Are you constantly also thinking about it from that perspective as well and like trying to develop new tricks and to develop new ideas? Yeah, the world of magic and the world of magic tricks is super strange, you know, because we think of it as being a lot like comedy where everyone is totally unique and you don't take from another magician mm -hmm. and you don't steal and you don't know. And you shouldn't steal from another magician. But like we were talking about before, you do learn from other magicians. And magicians publish their work and you can buy it and learn it and do it. And if a magician publishes their work with all of the exact moves that they do and you buy it and you do it, you're allowed and encouraged. And then some magicians frown upon it, <laughs> right? And they're like, you shouldn't be doing this. You should be doing it yourself. So it's very complicated what you should and shouldn't be doing in magic. And I am not a magic police, right? And the reason I say that is because some people say that what you're saying is right. Like every magician needs to create magic. Others say that some magicians are the creators. You know, the same way that like uh, Jimmy Fallon has comedy writers. Mm -hmm. David Blaine and Chris Angel and David Copperfield have magic creators that sit in a room and create magic for them, right? So David Copperfield is a genius, but he's a genius now on a different level than creating magic. He's a genius on the producing and selling it and all the, he's a genius in so many ways, mm -hmm. but 
he has a team of people that create magic for him, right? So you could technically separate the creators from the performers, right? You could, you could technically do all that. The way I view magic is I view it like cooking, where certainly each chef does not need to reinvent each thing. Mm -hmm. But each chef should have his thing to be so him that you know about it. Let me explain. Chicken Parmesan. I have no idea who invented chicken Parmesan. A good chef doesn't need to have his thing that's not chicken Parmesan. A good chef can make his chicken Parmesan. It just has to be his chicken Parmesan. If it's so good, you should say, oh, this must be Chef Charles's because mm -hmm. I can taste it, right? Because I, I can tell by the way he put it on the plate and so and so and so. And that's how I like to think about magic. So what work am I doing to create magic and do into the world? For me personally, I'm trying my best to make my own chicken parmesan, right? <laughs> so I have a, there's a trick that's similar to the cups and balls, right? So I do a trick that's very similar to the cups and balls. That's my chicken parmesan, right? It's not the same as anyone else's. If it was, you would know that they were copying mine, mm -hmm. but I surely didn't invent the trick. I, you know, things that I've come up with in the trick are little tweaks or ideas or pointers or things that work for me or I've found in my thousands of iterations and attempts at different things what has worked and what hasn't worked. So that's my feeling. I hope to one day come up with magic that the trick is so unique and different than anything and so amazing and fooling that it's talked about for magicians for years to come. Mm -hmm. But so far, I haven't done that. <laughs> so far, I've just been a really great and enticing performer who's been able to do a great job of, of putting his experiences and his spin on the world on magic and new ideas of how to perform that magic, new tweaks on the methods and things like that. But I'm no grand creator of tricks and nor do I think I have to be to make a mark in magic and that's part of the reason why I have a podcast and produce shows because it's like there's amazing creators and I will try to create but I'm not like they are I, instead I'm really good at hopefully interviewing the creator so you can learn from him and be a creator yourself mm -hmm. or whatever right yeah that makes sense because that's another way that some people like you said some people that's how they serve magic they add something new or a flourish or mm -hmm. a different kind of grip or hand or something like that and if you do it this way with the cards ta-da right part of the reason why the podcast exists is because like i wanted to help and make a mark and 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 show value and show the ideas that i knew i was having in magic but I felt like all the good ideas I was having in magic weren't about where to put my pinky. Mm -hmm. Like I just, I was just like, I don't care. Like I'd rather learn from the best on that. And, and, you know, let me share some ideas about how I'm getting people to interact and how I'm making this, you know, like I was talking about earlier, like how I'm making this experience one that they enjoy. And like maybe a story about when I realized what I was doing wrong to make them all hate it so much. And, you know, like, to me, I was like, why don't I share those lessons? Like, that's the stuff that's like critical. Like, that's the um, that's the stuff that'll hopefully help magicians instead of me like gritting my teeth together trying to make an improvement on a trick enough to be able to like say, here, magicians, look what I did. Like, <laughs> who cares? Yeah, and there's a arc too where like 
when you start doing magic, you don't realize how much stuff is actually out there. So you do something with your hand or a gesture or a grip or something, and then you think you've created something new when that thing's been around for like a hundred years. In that sit down at that camp with Ben Train, you know, I was like, here's something I, I created. And he interrupted me and he said, I don't know what you're about to show me, but likely means you just haven't read enough. Mm-hmm. And that was such a good answer. And I was just like, and that helped guide me in the sense of like, I'm not out to create stuff. Like I'm not out to create a trick like so that I can sell it back to magicians. Like that makes no sense to me. Like if I ideally create a trick that's so great, I want to be the only one doing it until I'm fucking dead mm-hmm. and then you can all have it, right? Or <laughs> at least until I don't want to do it anymore. Like and and that's not that's not because I don't want to share the knowledge. I want to share the knowledge. I'm not trust me. I'm not holding back anything on the podcast. I have no secrets, right? <laughs> yes. But if I have a piece of magic that I came up with that's so unique and amazing, like yeah, I'd rather make my mark on it with it than I would share it with the world first. And like I'm not out to make magicians love the, buy the tricks that I'm, I don't give a fuck. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't care. So I'd rather them be thankful that they learned something great. And like, I don't even sell anything on the podcast. Right. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm just like, I don't have advertising. I don't have, I'm just like, I just interview magicians and share it with the world. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> not more complicated than that. That's very simple. So we're going to wrap up now. Can you do a trick before you go? Yes. I want to do a trick. Um, What's the best way to do this? It's a challenge. To... Well, here's what we're going to do. All I right. am going to, Hold this here. I don't know if the levels are sounding good. Mm-hmm. And I have here a deck of cards. And what I'm going to do is I'll give these to you. Okay. And I want you to take out any nine cards. All right. doesn't matter what they are. You can do face up or face down. It doesn't matter. And if you're listening at home, you can grab a deck of cards and take out nine cards. It doesn't matter what they are. But you can do it. It doesn't matter where they're from as long as there's nine. And you can do this trick with us. And if everything goes right, magic should work in all of our hands all together. Um, and I'm very excited for it to this work. So He's putting cool. it in three piles of three. Uh, and actually, by the way, go pause this and go get a deck of cards. This is going to be very cool. And instead of you just doing it with your ears, uh, do it with your hands. Cause it'll be really amazing if it works. Let me double check. Cause you're the math major. Let me yeah, you check. I... Well, I didn't even know I was off by a magnitude of a hundred in you have nine. Yes. Okay. Fantastic. Yes, so here's what I'm going to do. I, actually, I don't even want to hold them. You hold them. Okay. And we're going to pick a number here. So you hold them in your hand. I have the remainder of the cards here. Yes. Right? So we're going to use this remainder to pick a, a number in this deck. And then we'll use this number for everyone. Okay. okay? So I'm going to go through my chunk of cards here, which you held, you shuffled or whatever. Mm-hmm. And when you want, you say stop. Stop. There. This will be our number. So three. Okay. okay. So I want you to take a peek at the third card from the top in that deck. So let me explain what I mean from the top. And you've got it probably right. So you're holding them in your hand with them all face down, mm-hmm. like you were going to deal them out. So you're going to look at card number one, two, three, and you can use two hands and just remember what the third card is. Okay. And don't tell me, but definitely remember it. Start from the bottom like this? No, starting from, so it's like here. So like this would be number one. Yeah, exactly. That's number three. So remember that one. Okay. okay. You got it? Yes. Okay. So now this is so cool. We're gonna play. Well, nothing's happened yet. <laughs> I know. I'm so excited. So right you're th- now. you're thinking of a card, right? Yeah. And you you would have to agree with me that at this point, there's no way that I can know a card. You took nine cards that only you know. I never looked at them. Mm-hmm. We picked a random position. You're looking at that random position, right? Mm-hmm. There's no way I could know it, and I don't. Um, yet, yet I will soon. Okay. What I want you to do is, you're gonna spell the name of a card, but. 
It's not your card. Okay. You're going to spell the name of another card. And ideally, mm -hmm. when you're spelling it, I'm going to be able to tell exactly what parts of what you're saying are true and exactly what parts of what you're saying are not true. And mm -hmm. everyone at home is going to hopefully do this together. So you're holding the cards in your mm -hmm. hand. So I'm going to ask you some questions and mm -hmm. you're going to answer and you can either lie or you can tell the truth. Ooh. And whatever you answer, we're going to spell exactly that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the first question is the value of the card. Okay, so we're going to be spelling the card. So hypothetically, if you were thinking of the Ace of Spades, I don't know what you're thinking of, but hypothetically, what we would be spelling is Ace, mm -hmm. then Of, then Spades. Okay, so the first is the value. So you can lie or tell the truth. What was the value of your card? Hearts. No, 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 that's the suit, the value. So like oh, Ace value. or Five oh, or Queen six. or Six. Okay, so I want you to spell one card at a time by dealing them onto the table, S-I-X. Deal them into a little pile. Face down, face down. Yep, S. I, X, and take the rest of the cards and drop mm -hmm. them on top of the packet. Okay, I don't know if I believe you. I think that was maybe a lie. Okay, pick them all up again. Mm -hmm. So now we're just gonna spell of. So it's the same thing. So deal two, one, two, O, F, face down, and drop the rest on top. Okay. Amazing. And now we're gonna do the suit. So hold it again in your hand. Hearts. Hearts it was. Okay, so spell hearts. H, E, A, R, T, S, and drop the rest on top. Okay. Amazing. Okay, so now everyone is doing this at home with us. So you spelled your card or you lied maybe and you spelled the three of spades or the mm -hmm. queen of clubs. Um, I'm going to hold this sort of moving stuff around because we've got the microphone. I've got a whole bunch of the cards here from before, right? Mm -hmm. Last time we picked the number three. We're going to try this again and I'm going to again put cards onto the table mm -hmm. like this in like small groups and whatever card we end up with, not only will we use it, but everyone who's listening will use that card, right? Okay. So I'm going to put some cards and you can see they're all different, right? Mm -hmm. It's not, we don't have the same card. When you want, you say stop. Stop. Okay. I'm going to go like this. I'm going to turn this card right over. It is a five. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if it was one card more or one card less, it would be different. There's a jack, there's a nine, but we want the fifth. Okay. So my claim mm -hmm. is that the fifth card in your deck what? and the fifth card in everybody listening's deck mm -hmm. is the card that they were actually thinking. Even though, yeah. and you have to agree with me, if yeah. you spelled like three of spades mm -hmm. or four of spades, let's just say, three and four spell differently. Mm -hmm. So the card would be in a different position, yeah. right? So the lie that you chose to tell makes a difference as to where the cards ended up in the yes. deck, right? What was the card that you actually picked? The six of clubs. The six of clubs. Okay, I'm going to move these out of the way. Yeah. And let's count. Let's count. And you can do this with us at home. You're going to look at the fifth card. So number one, one two, two, three. three. Four, Four, and this is five. Right. Which should be the six of clubs. The six of clubs. What? And Yo, you, better you are a wizard. It. High five. I am a wizard. There you <laughs> That's go. That's amazing. Thank you. And hopefully it worked for everybody at home. And if it worked at home, then the deal is that you have to share this podcast episode with someone. That's what? the deal. You are a wizard. And if it didn't work, yeah. then... Uh, you got a treat from the tuck shop? Yeah, a treat from the tuck shop. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you spend your 50 cents. <laughs> Actually, the way they did it at the camp is get the kids to write letters home. Mm -hmm. You would trade the letter in that you wrote home and they would give you candy. Whoa, <laughs> <Yeah>. shop labor. <laughs> right? It's great. Yeah. That's great. That's how they get the kids to uh, send home letters. So you mentioned a few things at Toronto Magic Company. You mentioned your podcast. Where can people find all this stuff online? If they want to come to a show, they want to come to the Tuesday night show. So here's the everything. So the Toronto Magic Company, which is 
likely the the plug of the plugs that you should go check out. Not that you shouldn't go check out the podcast, but if you're not a magician, you'll probably run tired of uh, of it in a while. Unless you love my voice, <laughs> in which case you'll get a real kick out of it. But uh, the show, the, the company is called the Toronto Magic Company. We have shows every month. We are working. We have shows every week. We're looking towards having multiple shows every week. We have, we there was a point where we were at 22 public shows a month with some shows in Oakville and stuff. But we're, uh, so basically when you're in Toronto, whoever you are, we have a show then. So definitely come see it. And it would be super cool if you, if you send an email to Toronto Magic Company or anywhere, social media, anything, if you're going to be in town and say that you found out a bit from this podcast, then uh, that would be super cool. I'd be really excited. I'll hook you guys up mm -hmm. uh, with some special stuff. Nice, and, thank you. Uh, absolutely. Well, I just said special stuff, so that means nothing. I'll be like, here's a candy, you know, and <laughs> I'm just playing. Um, uh, and we've you got shows You gave me candy when time. I left the carnival. I told you, I gave yeah. you candy. So. I, uh, the, even, listen, even getting some candy is good. Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing is the podcast, Discourse and Magic. If you like magic or if you're interested in magic, you know, I used to say, on the podcast that if you found this podcast, you're so deep in magic mm -hmm. that you can stop buying tricks and start learning how to be good at them. And apparently that's not true now. A lot of people are like finding the podcast very early in magic. And so now I have to think about like how to welcome people into magic. So if you're now just getting started into magic, this is a great resource for you because instead of wondering what the best magicians in the world think about some of these complex issues, like what should you do, how to do it, how to get better, where to learn things, da da da, you can just hear straight up from the people who uh, are the experts. So uh, it's a really cool thing. Um, and other than that, me, I'm Jonah Babbins, uh, at Jonah Babbins Magic, mostly everywhere, if not at Jonah Babbins. Find me on Instagram, at Jonah Babbins Magic. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Jonah Babbins. Facebook, at Jonah Babbins Magic. Tinder, no, I'm kidding. Um, uh, I'm on <laughs> there, but, but under a different name. Yeah, under a, my, 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 my code name. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, that's it. I'm everywhere. And if anybody has, like I said, I love to help. So if anybody, if anything that I said, you made yourself think to yourself like, this guy could help me with my thing. Like, send me a message. I'm happy to help. I, nothing I love more. You do some public speaking as well. I do. Kind of like inspire people. Yeah, I do. I talk to students about trying to do their own thing. And, you know, I think we're living in such a cool time right now. And I think that the standard advice that you hear in school is like super whack. <laughs> and I think that like the best thing anybody can do is instead of like pondering around and being like, what's my passion? Like, what should I be good at? Just answer the question like, what right now would be really fun and fun enough for me to put a lot into mm -hmm. a lot of work into basically. And like whatever can answer that question is probably going to be your pathway to success is like what would be super fun or super cool to do a lot of right now. And the answer to that question is the best. So that's basically what I'm trying to help students with is just try to like get them to start doing the thing earlier. Cause everyone who does the thing that they do, and I'm assuming you as well, you mm -hmm. know, doing this amazing podcast is that it's like, I wish I started five years earlier. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, I wish someone told me how great this would be now and how so-and-so-and-so. So, -and -so, -and -so. so uh, basically, it's just like telling students a thing that I wish would have known, which is start three years earlier on that thing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, trying to help the world. Thank you, Jonah, for coming in, hanging out, doing the trick, and like... Uh, Thank we, you so much. We, we I covered am... a lot. We covered from like your humble origins at the tuck shop to Judaism to... We did yeah. everything. This was super fun for me. Like I said, I'm usually on the other side of the podcast. This was mm -hmm. very cool, and uh, I know I blabbed, but that's what I like to do because I like to just share everything I know, and hopefully it helped. Mm -hmm. No, thank you. I'm, I got a trick out of it, too, and I got to learn about the tuck yes. shop. So... 
It's a good day for me. I'm glad I Amazing. put on pants. And thank you for this incredible uh, opportunity. This was so much fun to just get into it. Talk magic. Talk life. Thank you. And uh, just hanging out at My Summer Lair. I'm your host, Sam Yunin. You can follow me on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at MyPalSammy. Thank you for listening.